0: Today is, in fact, Pentecost Sunday, and if you have your Bibles and if you'll turn with me, I'd like to go to two places. First, in Galatians chapter 5, Galatians chapter 5. chapter 5 beginning at verse 22 Paul writes and says but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness temperance against such there is no law then if you flip over to Ephesians chapter 5 verses 9 through 11 it says for the fruit of the spirit that which we just read is in all goodness and righteousness and truth proving what is acceptable unto the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them pray with me this morning if you would father we need you this pentecost sunday when we celebrate the outpouring of the holy ghost may the word of god speak to our hearts Lord would you would you challenge us would you change us today would you charge us that this experience of being spirit filled that it is a daily walk with God illuminate our minds bring enlightenment to our understanding may you be honored and glorified and praised for these things in Jesus name and the church said amen today is Pentecost Sunday for several weeks leading up to today we have shared a series of messages on Patriotism to Pentecost. But today specifically is the day, that 50-day mark, from the resurrection of Jesus. Celebrating the in-gathering of the harvest. When Acts chapter 2 happened and the Holy Spirit fell upon the 120 that were in the upper room, that was the 50-day mark from when Jesus had arisen from the dead it is in fact a significant day in the church thank God for Pentecost we are Pentecostal for several weeks leading up to this day we've been spending some time talking about the Holy Spirit we spoke one Sunday on the new wine, a symbolic representation of the Spirit and the toast of that new wine. That that new wine in your life, it speaks to you grace from God. It speaks to you a changed life in Christ. It speaks to you a life that is controlled by the Spirit as we walk and talk with Him. Then on Mother's Day, we, we dealt with Holy Ghost-filled families, the first Holy Spirit-filled family, and how important they are to living victoriously in the world. We need our moms and dads and our young people and our children to be filled with the Spirit of God. And then we spent two Sundays talking on the fascinating subject of speaking in tongues, and all the reasons why tongues are important in the body of Christ. But today on Pentecost Sunday, I want to share with you about our need to return to the fruitful place. One day when I was in my office, I picked up some study books on the Holy Spirit. All of the books, the couple of books that I picked up, they were all written by great authors, great teachers on this important subject. One book was entitled, Your Spiritual Gifts Can Help Your Church to Grow. Some of the chapters in that book was as follows. What the gifts are, an open-ended approach. Or four things that the gifts of the Spirit are not. Or five steps toward growing through the gifts of the Spirit. I laid that book down, and I reached over and picked up another book, and that book was called The Book of Acts and Church Growth. And in that book, chapters were titled The Holy Spirit and Church Growth, or Signs and Wonders and Church Growth, or Preaching and Church Growth. Again, great books, great writers. And I don't hesitate to tell you, church, that we want to see the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. And folks, we must have the administration and the offices of the Holy Ghost present in the church. We long for the gifts. We long for the offices. We long for the administrations of the Holy Spirit. But may the church never forget And may the Christian never forget, and may every Pentecostal preacher never forget to preach and teach that the fruit of the Spirit is mandated for each and every one of our lives, and the fruit of the Spirit is what is acceptable unto the Lord. (laughs) I may miss the prophecy, which is a gift. But I cannot miss sharing love, which is a fruit. I may miss the word of knowledge, which is a gift. But I cannot afford to miss showing peace, which is a fruit. I may not be obedient sometimes in tongues and and the interpretation of tongues. But God help me if I do not have some temperance and self-control in my life. God help the believer and the church as a whole to return to the fruitful place. God, help us to personally turn the soil of our souls into fruit-producing fields that will be sweet to others and pleasing to our Heavenly Father. One more time, let me tell you what the Word says. The fruit of the Spirit proves what is acceptable unto the Lord. Now, for a few moments this morning, let me just kind of sidetrack and talk about some practical observations as it relates to fruit. You see, there is a mandate. First of all, there is a mandate to produce and bear fruit. In, in John 15 and 16, Jesus ordained and chose each of us to bring forth fruit fruit. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 4, the Scripture commands us to bring forth fruit unto God. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 11, the Bible says we are to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. And Colossians tells us that for us to be pleasing to God, we must be fruitful in every good work. And so emphatically, let me say, according to the Word of God, the mandate of Jesus, which I believe is greater than the operation of the uh, gifts, the greater than the operation of the gifts in the church, there should be the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Two times in Matthew chapter 7, Verses 16 through 20, Jesus said these words, You shall know them by the fruit that they bear. I know we highly esteem leaders and Christians on their gifts and their manifestations. And yet when Jesus came to the fig tree, which was a fruit tree. He reached beyond the pretty green leaves that you could see, and he went looking and searching for fruit. And when he didn't find fruit, he pronounced a curse, a judgment on the tree, and it shriveled up and died. After all, man looks on the outward appearance, but God is always looking on the heart. And I say, Oh, Spirit of God, bring back the great of love and joy and peace. Oh, Holy Ghost, one more time in my life, manifest the figs of faith, meekness, and self-control. I would to God, someone, anyone, would cry out to God and say, Lord, I need the citrus refreshing of long-suffering gentleness and goodness that others can pick from the tree of my life. Holy Ghost, if If I'm never used in prophecy, if I never am used to bring a miracle into somebody's broken body, I would to God that all nine fruit of the Spirit are active and evident. For again, the fruit of the Spirit proves what is acceptable unto the Lord. Can someone say amen? Amen. Many years ago, God gave me some very practical things about fruit. And I want to share them with you today for a few moments. First of all natural fruit starts Ooh. with a seed for you for those of you that take notes type it on your electronic screen. You probably might want to write these down. Natural fruit starts with a seed. Can I tell you, the seed of His Spirit was deposited into us at our salvation. So from the time that we got up from our conversion, we should have started bearing fruit as a result. When a person gets saved, they're not the same person they used to be. They may have gone down as a drunk. They may have gone down as a drug addict, they may have gone down as someone that was addicted to pornography, they may have had a terrible attitude in their disposition, but once they met the sweet Jesus that I know when they got up, there should have been some fruit because a seed of the Spirit had been planted inside of them. That's another reason we need to be filled with the Spirit. It's because we want the effects of His residency within us. And that is not just speaking in tongues, but it is the character of Christ. And the character of Christ, I guarantee you, is the nine fruit of the Spirit. The second thing I would tell you is that whereas natural fruit comes seasonal, I want you to know that God's fruit must be available all year around. <laughs> when I was growing up and I was, I was young, as a young preteen and teenager, my grandparents lived in an orange grove in Polk County, Florida. And I would go and I I would always look forward to that. Uh, You know, and I would enjoy some oranges and some, some tangerines. But I had to be there at the right time of the season. You see, there were some t- most of the time we went in the summer, but there were some times that we traveled to see my grandparents, and it wasn't that time of the year. And so I'd go out to the tree not knowing any, any of these things, and I'd go out and I'd be disappointed because there would be nothing on the tree. Or that that would be on the tree would be extremely green and small and, and wasn't ready to pluck and, and ready, to, ready to partake of and as I got older I came to the realization that that natural fruit is seasonal but I've come by to preach to someone today that that is not the case with the child of God I'm telling you you don't get to pick and choose the seasons for the fruit of the spirit to be on the tree of your life I'm telling you when your enemy hates you you love him because you have the fruit of the spirit when the trial gets tough you're sustained because you have the fruit of long suffering on your tree. When the battle gets hot and intense I'm going to overcome because I have self-control in my life. When others seem to be taking, God help me preach this morning, when others seem to be taking more than they are giving, I'm still going to be filled with the fruit of goodness and benevolence toward others knowing that God is always my provider. When I'm treated roughly. I'm going to reciprocate gentleness. What I'm preaching to you is that the fruit of the Spirit doesn't die because it's winter time or because it isn't convenience, or because you're in a hurry or because you're having a, a bad day. You don't get to choose Monday as the day you don't display fruit. I'm telling you 24 hours a day, seven days a week when the Spirit of God is living inside of you, people are going to be able to find the fruit of the Spirit on the tree of who you are! Somebody give Him praise! <clears throat> Hallelujah! <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit must be cultivated and grown and are on our tree every day that we live. The third thing I would share with you quickly is that fruit is what the world is looking for. Come on now. Fruit is what the world is looking for. Just this past week, I had passed by him several times, opened the refrigerator, closed the refrigerator. And that bowl sat there, a big bowl of luscious purple grapes. And and I tell you, they, they looked as good as grapes could look. But I'm telling you, I'm glad my wife tried them before I did. Because as luscious as they looked... As soon as she bit into those grapes, and they didn't look, they didn't look shriveled. They, they didn't look like they were about to fall apart. I mean, they really looked beautiful. But as soon as she bit into them, she realized they were sour. And boy, I tell you, you bite into some sour grapes, and that can change your countenance in a heartbeat. Sour grapes, nobody really lines up for them. When you go to get grapes, you're going to get good grapes, and sweet grapes, and, and tasty grapes. Can I be honest? with you today? Can I be very transparent with you today? I'm telling you, no one wants to hear your prophecy or your tongues or have you pray for them in church if you have rotten grape and wormholes of attitude in your apples on the outside. So come on now, someone. If people are ducking you or avoiding you in Walmart, maybe you need to go back and examine the fruit on your tree. You said, oh, that doesn't happen. Let me tell you, my son's been in retail for the last three years in other places and here in town and I tell you he told me this not too long ago he said you'd be surprised when we see certain customers coming in the door we're kind of hoping to God that they go in someone else's lane you know what that's okay for the unbeliever the unbeliever hasn't met Jesus but God help the soul that calls Jesus their Savior and Lord that still has a rotten attitude when they go into a public place oh God help us to manifest the fruit of the Mm. (laughs) spirits. As a pastor, and I promise you, and I haven't done this yet, but it's probably on my horizon. I have had to go to banks and public gyms and apologize for the way members from the church I pastored Behaved Because it was a bad reflection upon me and my church family Smile at me (laughs) Let me go on record Let me say it publicly Let me say this to you today, so you understand it you have no credibility in this body if your reputation is rotten in this town and in this county, and that is just the truth, if you aren't going to love on the outside, don't you dare come up here speaking in tongues on the inside until you first learn how to love on the outside. (laughs) I mean, if you're going to act, this ain't theological at all. But if you're going to act like a bonehead and talk like a bonehead, and treat others wrong, don't be expecting to come up in God's house and have a platform for your, quote, gifts, because it's not going to happen. It's called credibility. You still preaching on Pentecost? Absolutely. You see, I told you a few weeks ago that according to the biblical pattern, When the Holy Ghost fell, the initial evidence was that they spoke in tongues. That happened in several places in the book of Acts. But let me also say, as much as I embrace that, I also embrace this reality, that the continuing evidence of a Spirit-filled life is that the fruit of the Spirit are operating in you and through you, affecting other people. called the character of Christ. Says, man, let me just, oh Lord Jesus, help me. After Paul listed the nine fruit of the Spirit, he said these words, against such there is no law. You never have to worry about breaking the laws of man or the laws of God if all nine fruit of the Spirit are in your life. Take it to the bank. You can tell anyone you want. That your preacher said that but if you live by the nine fruit of the Spirit you won't have to break the laws of man or the laws of God well I thought I had the fruit of the Spirit but that police officer pulled me over the other day for going over to speed limit sounds like to me you need a little self-control with your foot on the gas pedal and self-control is the fruit of the Spirit hello that was free that's not even in my notes (laughs) did you know that there's a possibility that there are wolves dressed to look like sheep today look at your neighbor and ask him if they're the real deal today they look like sheep Hopefully they don't smell like sheep. (laughs) But did you know there are wolves that come in amongst the flock? Now we're going to love the wolves. But wolves should not expect that they're going to be given a platform to scatter the sheep. Let me go on. Fourthly, fruit will rot or drop to the ground worthless. If it stays on the tree too long. Those times when I was down at my grandmother's home, in the middle of that orange grove in Polk County, there's not one time that I ever picked up an orange off the ground. I never picked up a tangerine off the ground. Because what I discovered was that if it had fallen from the branch and it had sat in that sand... For so long, it had probably gotten worthless. You must keep reproducing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Fifthly, as long as the tree has good roots, it will always produce fruit. If you're connected and plugged into the right source. Jesus said it best when he said, John 15, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abides in the vine, no more can you bear fruit, except you abide in me. He said, I am the vine and you are the branch, as he that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Nothing. So what do you do? I want that fruit. I want all nine of the fruit, the love, the joy, the peace, the long suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the faith, the meekness, the temperance. I want all of that in my life. How do I I get there? You hunger for Jesus you thirst for Jesus you go hard after Jesus and when you do that he becomes your life you may not be used in every gift of the spirit but you will become a a fruitful believer because you'll be tapped into the root and the root is Christ can I have 10 more minutes only about six of you said yes Here's the challenge. The challenge is not our desire. The challenge is our passion to be fruitful. We we don't, we we have a, we have like a a passing desire. Lord, yeah, I want to be fruitful for you. Yeah, I like, pastor, he's talking some good stuff this morning. I want to have that character of Christ. Our problem is we're not zealous for it. We're not desperate for the fruitful place anymore. There's a place in the Old Testament. It's called Mount Carmel. C A R M E L. Carmel in the Hebrew means a fruitful place. A fruitful place. It was a mountain. And by the very name God intended for this mountainside, this piece of land, to always be a fruitful field. The people, the children of Israel, they acknowledge Carmel for its name and its significance. Listen to this. Jeremiah 50 and 19. God said, I will bring Israel again to his habitation and he shall feed on Carmel. The fruitful place. In Jeremiah 33 and 9, when God's people were under judgment, the Bible says Carmel was shaking off her fruits. In other words, this place, this area was under judgment. And it had become barren. A drought had come. Idols in the land had led to a three and a half year drought. Barren and dry and desolate. No fruit produced. No fruit trees growing. All because the people neglected Carmel. They neglected their fruitful place. That doesn't change the fact that God created Carmel to be fruitful. And someone has to do something about it. Barrenness has been there long enough. Can I tell you, friend... God chose you, and he ordained you to bear and bring forth fruit. So what is one to do to get their place of fruitfulness back? Their Mount Carmel back. I'll tell you exactly what happened. The prophet Elijah, the first thing he did was he confronted the evil in the barren place. Sometimes we just have to take some self-inventory. Sometimes we need to open the Bible to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, and go through all nine fruit and really take a long, hard look. And if you do that and you're honest, you won't like everything that you see. Acknowledgement comes before healing. But that one, the only thing he did. He not only confronted the evil that was in the barren place. But secondly, he called down the fire of God. He prayed the cleansing, purging, sanctifying fire of heaven down. <laughs> he didn't just acknowledge it. Brother Fred, he said, God, I need you to burn this stuff out of here. Elijah called the fire down on Mount Carmel. I'll tell you what we need. A lot of times what we need is we need the fire of God's spirit to come in and burn some of the junk out of our lives. And then the third thing he did, he prayed through for rain. <laughs> I love this. He confronted it. He called the fire down on it. And then he prayed through until the rain came down. When's the last time that you prayed for the rain of God's refreshing to return to your barren, unfruitful soul? Three and a half years. For the Kenny, three and a half years, there was was nothing but barrenness on that mountainside. Nothing but unfruitfulness. Fruit fields and fruit trees were, were drying up. Somebody had to step up. I want to to read this very slowly to you. Because after he confronted the evil, and he prayed the fire down upon the evil, then he prayed through for the rain to return. Listen to this. James 5, 18. Three and a half years of Mount Carmel being dry and barren and unfruitful. Watch this. And Elijah prayed again, and the heaven gave rain and the earth brought forth her fruit he confronted he prayed to fire down to purge the evil out then he prayed through for the rain the drought was over listen to this isaiah 35 1 and 2 listen very carefully The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. The desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice even with joy and singing. Notice this phrase. The excellency of Carmel shall be given to it. What is the excellency of Carmel? The excellency of Carmel is to be fruitful. That's what God created. That's why he named that mountain Carmel. That's why it was named Carmel. Because it was such a fruitful, luscious place. But because of neglect, the people of God had ignored. It had gone barren. The drought had kicked in. It was no longer fruitful. So let me ask you this question. What good is a spirit-filled Christian if all nine fruit of the Spirit can't be plucked from your tree. If the fruit of the Spirit proves what is acceptable to the Lord. That's what we read. Did we read that? I didn't imagine that. I've seen that several times. I know we read it. Ephesians chapter 5. We read that, did we not? Come on, wave at me. The fruit of the Spirit Proves what is acceptable to the Lord, and on this day of Pentecost, I know around different churches and places they're celebrating the gifts and celebrating the signs and the wonders and all works of the Spirit. But there is no deeper work of the Spirit than when the fruit of the Spirit comes forth from your life well I, I, I kind of thought I, I kind of thought prophecy was I thought prophecy was up up there pretty high I, I'm telling you you know God used a donkey to talk to people don't get so wrapped up in that who cares if you Don't prophesy in church as long as you go to that restaurant this afternoon and somebody, you know the waitress is having a terrible day and it takes you two hours to get your food and rather than blow your gasket, you say, you know what? I know you're having a bad day, but I got confidence in you and I'm still going to give you a 20% tip. That's the deep work. Of the spirit. Well, I didn't speak in tongues today. I really didn't have church. So you go out there and you go through adversity and people look at you and say, you know, you have an amazing amount of peace for all that you're going through. And you say, I'll tell you why, because the Holy Spirit is doing a deep work in my life. There was a time I used to watch, and you were a short fuse. Man, you could fly off the handle, but man, I've seen some things come against you lately. What's gotten into you? I'll tell you what's gotten into me. The Holy Ghost has gotten into me. And when the Holy Ghost got inside of me, I am no longer out of control. I'm no longer even self-controlled. I am controlled by the Holy Spirit from heaven. Flash them up, Seth, if you would. There they are. There they are. Love, joy, peace. Long-suffering, another word for that is patience. Gentleness, goodness, faith. Meekness, temperance, or or self-control? Tony, if you come to the keys, I'll be honest with you. (laughs) I don't have all these perfected. My wife, "Oh, so he's such a good man, he's such a great pastor and all this kind of stuff. You don't have to live with me." And she just smiles and she says, "Thank you." On the inside, she's screaming, "But you don't have to live with him? I don't have him perfected. But if I go hard after Jesus. If I thirst for Jesus and hunger for Jesus and, and long for Jesus, these, these characteristics, they, they begin to surface. People come across my path. I don't know how to explain it. I really don't. You just try to be kind. I will confess a little addiction that I've had for about five months now. It's called lattes from sheets. It is. Caramel vanilla, caramel hazelnut. About once, sometimes twice or three times a week, I'm stopping on up in there and getting me some. My doctor's in here. I forgot that again. I did this Wednesday night. My Lord. I got to get used to the fact that my doctor goes to my church. Just go in, try to smile. Thank him for my hot drink and go on my way. One of them said something the other day. said, I wish we had you around here all the time. I don't remember telling no good jokes. I don't remember telling them how great they looked or how nice they were. I mean, you don't have to work at it. I'm telling you, you don't have to work at it. But I'm I'm, I'm, going to tell you right now. If people dread seeing you coming, friend, you need to really work on the fruit of the Spirit. I'm getting ready to stop I asked for 10 more minutes I took 12 several years ago I sat under the a leadership training director his name was Daniel Allen 20 years ago 20 plus there's a lot of stuff I didn't understand couldn't make sense of mission and vision and all this kind of stuff there's, just kind of rolled off of me. I'm like, man, I I just want to preach and pastor. You know, just love my church. You know, I didn't understand all that stuff. I know a little bit more now. It's valuable to me now than it was then. But I'll never forget something he said. He said, my personal mission is when I come to the end of my days and I go in and stand before the Lord, what I envision that moment to be is that I'm going to walk in carrying a large basket of summer fruit and I'm going to kneel down and I'm going to lay it at his feet. I never, Rick, I never forgot that. How many people have been wounded that we really wanted to win because we didn't have cultivated the fruit of the Spirit in our lives I want you to stand with me and I want you to join me around the altar would you everyone that will just come just come and gather around just for a few moments Can you take a, Seth, Ben, can you take a little bit of light off that screen so that it's a little more pronounced? I don't know the best way to do that, but I want it to kind of jump out at me a little bit. I'll move back and forth because I'll block some of you, but I want you to be able to see. And I want you to look. And on this Pentecost Sunday, when we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, when we revel in the gifts and the operations, the miracles and the manifestations, would you just, I don't know, Maybe there's just one or two that you need a little work on. Maybe when a storm comes, all you do is fall apart. And you don't have the peace that you need. Maybe because of the way you were raised, you have that whole, you know what, I'm going to shoot straight from the hip. It don't matter who I hurt or who I offend. They're going to know where I stand. Friend, you need to you need the fruit of gentleness. Come on, somebody ought to say amen there. Maybe you've been a little more stingy than you have been benevolent, friend. You need the, you need the fruit of goodness. Goodness is all about, about giving and not receiving. And I had to repent over one the other day, this one called meekness. Meekness basically is basically strength under control. So we had a couple of weeks ago, things weren't moving along as quickly on the project as I thought they should so I had to get a little firm kind of move things along here's my problem my problem was I told about 10 people after the fact had to go light a little fire under them builders I didn't really need to do that all that did was bring attention to me Would Jesus have done that? I don't think so. If he'd had to address some concern, yeah, he would have addressed it, but he wouldn't have walked around and said, Yeah, yeah, look what I was able to do. I am the Son of God after all. Is this resonating with anyone? Did I just need this sermon for myself today? Y'all over there kind of nervous. There's a big old gap right here. Come, come on, come on, come on, come on up in here. I going to slap you in the head or anything, my Lord. Can, can, you really, can you really say you love someone when you won't have anything to do with your mixed child, uh, grandchild rather? Can you really say the love of God is in your heart if a family member comes to you and says, you know what? I'm coming out of the closet. I'm going to be gay. Wow. I'll tell you what the word says. It's an abomination to the Lord. Yes, it is. But nowhere in there does God give you permission to quit loving that soul. Come on, somebody help me here. Now I realize that for you to take some inventory, you may not have all nine of these committed to your memory. Okay, well, let me, let me tell you something you may not know. Did you know it's okay to pray with your eyes open? Did you know on the day of Pentecost when the, when the Holy Ghost fell and there were four tongues of fire that sat upon all 120? Somebody had to have their eyes open write it down. Luke recorded it. He had to have his eyes open looking at the whole thing. It's okay to pray with your eyes open. It really is. So if you don't have these committed to memory, I, I, before we sing a song, just music, I want us to, if you're comfortable, lift your hands, one hand, both hands. If you're not comfortable lifting your hands, that's fine. But I don't want to get in anybody's way because of my petite frame. So I'm going to come down here and stand next to Skinny Ronnie. But could we right now? Can we just ask the Lord to take inventory of our own lives all over this place? I'm going to put this mic down and let's just ask him out of our own heart.